Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Red and Blue Podcast. It has been almost another month, and we are back. Yep. Uh, a lot of stuff has happened. It's the end of January, so the transfer window's wrapping up. Um, so we're just going to get into a few things. It's going to be a quicker podcast. Not too much has really happened, so. Yeah. Obviously, the next time we podcast will probably be um, a little after February's uh or Champions League games as well, so that way we can have both Premier League coverage and also a little bit of those first leg coverages as well, because those are coming up soon as well, so those will be interesting to see uh, going forward, uh, but I mean, throughout the Premier League season, as we're just going to run, as we run through the table, I mean, obviously, the, it's kind of stayed the same with Liverpool being in first place, they are still only have one draw in the season, they have 67 out of a possible uh, 69 points, so it's definitely interesting to see. Um, them play at this level because I don't. Do you really think they could maybe go invincible? Uh, yeah, because I mean, if you just look at the stats, like they're like the, like the stats back it up. They're like one of the most iconic teams uh, in Premier League football, like ever. Like it's the stat, all the stats back it up. So it's like I, I, I believe it because we're seeing stuff with this team that we really haven't seen, like. Ever and you know I thought I wouldn't say that after Man City's run, what was it last year or the year before? So like, it's kind of crazy what Liverpool is doing, but at the same time, like you look at their squad, like they just can't lose. I don't know how you defend that. Um, I don't know how you beat it. Yeah, I mean it's really it's really been incredible the, on the run they've done, along with all the duty they've pulled. Now they've played one less Premier League game, but they are also playing in the in the Champions League and have a lot of difficult matches coming up soon and they're going to have that build up of fixtures that depth on the their team really speaks to how they can keep this run going and kind of keep players in forms while giving them rest as well. Jurgen Klopp's obviously one of the best managers in the world. I think that's pretty well established at this point. I mean Liverpool's been the class of Europe for the, the last what two three seasons because they played in the Champions League final the last two and have made it deep in the last couple as well. So it's Obviously, they're just kind of going in as usual. Man City, which obviously I'll talk about a little bit, they're still playing well. They're at 51 points. They're getting their results. Um, I mean, they're not a bad team. I mean, if Liverpool wasn't going, you know, so hard <laughs> that maybe there would be a chance that there would be an actual race between the two teams. Like, maybe if they if Liverpool had even had six less points, you could argue maybe this would be a race. But even at that point, Man City's still pretty far behind. And they had a – because they've been inconsistent – because they just recently had a poor showing against Crystal Palace, where Crystal Palace scored the first goal to go up one nothing. Which, by the way, Crystal Palace has not been good this season. So nah. Crystal <clears throat> Palace was just completely uh, destroyed, uh, getting destroyed. And then they score, make it one nothing. Then Man City brings on Sergio Aguero after not starting him to begin the game. He scores two goals to get us a two one lead, and then. A Fernandinho own goal happens in the last minute of the game. Um, and, of course, we end up 2-2 draw, which we weren't going to win the league anyway, but those kind of games where you should win the game and you lose on something like that is just so um, disheartening. De demoralizing. Yeah, and demoralizing because, like I've said before, with the champion, with the Premier League kind of definitely out of the picture now, the fixtures in the Premier League really should be used for, you know, competing for Champions League and working towards form for those games because coming up against Real Madrid, you're going to need those, uh, need that run of form to be able to play at your highest level because that's going to be a difficult matchup and that's going to be the hardest round of 16 matchup you you faced in, ever for right. Man City players. So 
you got to be ready to play a team that's one of the best probably five to seven teams in the world right now. Right. So uh, you got to take advantage of these games to tune up and make sure you're working the way you are while still, you know, doing well and domestically. And they are. They're at 51 points, and they're scoring a lot of goals. I mean, Manchester City is leading the Premier League in scoring by a pretty comfortable margin, actually. They have 65 goals, and as close as is Liverpool at 54. So they're scoring a lot of goals. They've given up 27. So that's not exactly a winning formula for uh, – being able to compete with Liverpool, who, with Virgil van Dijk in the back, and Andrew Robertson and uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, they're just so deep in the at defense, along with their de- their midfielder with Giorgio Wijnaldum mm-hmm. and Jordan Henderson. I mean, it speaks Nadu to Kaita. it speaks to how much how important defense is, and everyone who knows sports knows it's kind of a running thing. Is like defense wins championships, but it's true also in soccer because it's like. Just speaking of the goals, if you look at Liverpool, we're looking at the table here, they have a higher goal differential by a point because of that defense, even though they have, you know, way less goals scored. Um, and that just speaks to how important defense is and how it can really win you games. And, you know, looking at Man City, that's obviously one of their big lacking points, I think, is their defense. And it shows, and I think that's why they've been dropping points this season. It's like when you're when you're competing with a historic team like Liverpool, you know, little, like Graham said, little inconsistencies and little things like that really get blown up and, and get put on display. And that's just like a, that's a very surface level way of looking at it. But even just the goal differential right there is like, well, their defense is definitely lacking. So. I mean, Man City has a goal differential plus 38 and they have five losses this season, which is pretty, which is pretty hard to do for a team with that high of a goal differential. Usually they would be up closer to Liverpool than where they are right now. So they've actually underachieved with the amount of games they've dropped in terms of inconsistencies and that's really the big reason why they aren't even close because right now if you took two of those losses and one of the draws away and made those wins that's an extra seven points that would put them at 58 points they wouldn't they'd be at closer but at the same time you could say they would at least be playing better going into champions league and maybe feel more confident going against this really stacked real madrid squad yeah so it'll be interesting to see i mean Man City has a lot of good players, and or, and I think they're a team that, you know, with Laporte coming back and Sané maybe coming back, if he doesn't, you know, leave in a transfer window, I don't think he'll leave in January just because he's still hurt at this point, but he has coming back and training with the team, mm-hmm. and he could be a very valuable asset to bring in and inject into the team because you have Riyad Mahrez, you have Raheem Sterling, you have Bernardo Silva, uh, but you don't want to put Silva on the flank all the time. Honestly, I'd have Silva in the middle because as much as David Silva is a good player at this point, you probably want to use him in, diff- in smaller spurts and then have Bernardo Silva to take most of the opportunities because Silva was one of the best players in the world last year. Mm. And I think having him with De Bruyne along with Rodri in the, as a center defense mid and then Fernandinho rotating in there as well, that kind of depth you can have. And then with Laporte coming back, that's – Uh, really something that's important for Man City because he was their best center back and he came back against uh, Sheffield United and it looked like he had never left after missing the entire season with his knee injury. So that was really big for us. And I think getting Sané back as well could – I mean, we still score a lot of goals, but that could be the difference in helping us. If he can come back for um, part of one of the Champions League legs, that would be really important. 
Yeah, and I feel like that's kind of what we're talking about. Because I don't think anybody thinks Man City's going to catch Liverpool. No, we're 16 points down, and and Liverpool has a game in hand. So, realistically, we'd be down 19 points. Yeah, so I really think the league's kind of over. Like Graham said, it's really just looking for things that boost your confidence going into Champions League. Because that's really, like I've been saying for a while now, that's really what Man City should be worrying about. Um, you know, you did been there, done that with the league. It's like, that's cool. But if you want to be considered one of the top teams in Europe, like Liverpool is now, you got to win a Champions League. So that's really what they, I think they should be focusing on. Um, like Graham said, they're getting some pieces back. They're getting healthy. Uh, a lot of teams are getting healthy now, now that the season or the uh, holiday season's over. Um, you're getting kind of in a more of a normal stretch of games, uh, kind of not totally normal because you're going to start pulling double duty here soon. Right. But, into a more normal flow of games as opposed to every other day, um, which is just kind of insane. So, you, you know, we'll see what Man City does. Like I said, Champions League is really uh, where I want to see if they can uh, pull it out because they've really kind of been shit in the bed the past couple of years. They just really can't <laughs> afford to only rely on Sergio Aguero and Kevin De Bruyne, uh, De Bruyne if they want to win uh, in the Champions League because I've noticed that in a lot of the games I've watched this year, if those two guys aren't playing, it's really difficult for us to create offense. Mm. And we have a lot of good creators with Bernardo Silva and David Silva and Gundogan when he plays. Rodri's a good distributor as a defense mid. And we have, and our left and right backs are both good as well with, you know, Wow Cancelo finally getting some playing time with Kyle Walker playing a little bit less, but same time good because he was playing most of the season. Then, you know, Mendy coming in, finally coming back healthy and stabilizing along with uh, Zinchenko finally getting to play again. Mm-hmm. So kind of st- getting healthy again, and, you know, if we can just get Sané and Laporte back 100% healthy and they're not, and they don't have any signs of rust or uh, injury, then that could really help Man City get forward into Champions League because I think they have the talent-wise to compete. It's just they got to make sure that they have everything in their row because uh, if they don't get these results now, it's going to be hard to do that uh, in the matches that actually matter. Yeah. I agree completely. And then, meanwhile, Leicester is looking like they're going to solidify themselves in the top four. I mean, they really have been playing fantastic football this year. They're at 48 points with a plus 28 goal differential. They have dropped a couple recently. They lost two of their last five. So they sit at 48 points, but they're eight points ahead of fourth place and only three points behind Man City. So they're still very comfortably uh, in third place. Since our last time we podcasted, you know, they... We, they played in the EFL Cup and the FA Cup. They lost to Southampton and Burnley, and then they also and then they beat West Ham. So they had a little run of uh, bad form coming up, but they're still eight points ahead. And it looks like you know if they can have some good results coming up here against Chelsea and the Wolves, especially because this stretch here they play Chelsea, they play the Wolves, and play, they play Man City, which are all important games if you want to solidify your place in the top four. If they can come out of that, those games with, like, five points, like a win and a couple of draws out of those games, that would really probably get them officially in the top four and solidify Champions League for Leicester, which would be great. I mean, honestly, I don't think anybody below them is playing well enough for the, to knock them out of the top four. The really only person where wor- you're worrying about is Chelsea, and even then, if that's still top four... You're just fourth because Man City, Man U's not catching you, and I don't think anybody else on the table below that is catching you. So I'm pretty sure they're fine regardless of what happens in the next couple games. To be honest, like, you know, they're at 48 points right now. 
like we said earlier, it's Chelsea at 40, Man U um, at 34, Tottenham at 34, Wolves at 34, and so on and so forth. So they they have a pretty good lead on the rest of the table. I'm pretty sure they're they're good top four. Am I wrong? I think they are, but at the same time, you know, with a team that hasn't played a lot of high-pressure games recently, you never know, if, you know, with the two losses recently against lower competition. Like, they'd have to really shit the bed to not make top four. I mean, Liverpool blew a lead last year against Man City, and they played good football. So I'm just that's, saying... And that's a different situation. Though. I'm just Look saying, at the table. Like, that was a close race. This is not close. You know what I mean? Like It was a nine points at one point at the same point last year between Man City and Liverpool. Yeah, nine, not... What? Uh, it's eight points, and then four. But that's oh, still top four. It's fourteen. <laughs> Come on, <Yeah>. bro. <laughs> I think they're okay. <laughs> but I think Le- Leicester's really shown a lot of promise, and I think they're going to be a team that I really a lot of teams probably hope they get one yeah. or two purchases next summer, so that way next year they can go into Champions League and actually perform at a high level. And who right. knows? Maybe Leicester becomes the new uh, team outside the main like. Chelsea, Manchester United, Liverpool, Man City, like branded teams that make it. It was taught. It's been Tottenham for a long time, and we'll get to them in just a minute. But I'm still not convinced on this Leicester team. I've been. I've kind of been saying it all year. Like they're they're having a good year, but I'm not impressed because we've seen this with this Leicester team. They sometimes. I don't know for what reason, but this team seems to catch lightning in a bottle some seasons, and it just really has worked. I think to their advantage that the rest of the league is really on the kind of a down year like nobody's really playing too well there's been some coaching changes there's been the transfer ban with Chelsea even though they're playing marginally better than the rest of the league you know um a lot of people are dealing with stuff so I I think it's been kind of a perfect storm for Leicester this season um I get what what you're saying like to solidify their place this season but like I was saying I honestly think they're good worrying about top four um for me personally it's seeing what they do next season because you know you're gonna get the top four more than likely you're gonna be in champions league again what do you do with that because it's cool to be one of these middle tier teams that can compete every now and then that's cool but you want sustained success in the premier league so that's really what i'm looking for from leicester you know like i said this if we're talking premier league this season's kind of wrapped up i feel like some drastic shit would need to happen for the table to change too much you know maybe Chelsea catches Leicester and Leicester moves to fourth but like I was just saying Tottenham and Man U are probably not going to catch them Leicester's at 48 points Tottenham and Man U are at 34 and they haven't been playing too well you know what I'm saying so I really don't see Leicester falling out of the top four so this season's pretty much wrapped up in terms of champions for next year it's seeing what they do going forward next year that I'm really interested in yeah, no, that's a good point. I think, it, I think you know, with that distance they do have between fourth and fifth, I think that could def- that they definitely have, I would say, probably 99% chance they're in the Champions League. Like, they'd have to really shit the bed. Or Tottenham would, and or us, would have to really get our shit together, and I just don't see that happening. Which leaves the remaining couple former Giants really fighting for the last fourth spot, and between Chelsea, Man United, and Tottenham, and... I mean, Chelsea is at 40 points right now, and they are in the driver's seat, but they have a tough schedule coming up in February where they play Leicester, so that's a chance for them to solidify Pick their up some standings. points off Leicester. If they can score, if they can even get a draw off of Leicester, that's big because that allows them to get closer uh, or get further ahead of the teams behind them. And then they play Manchester United, another team behind them, so if they take care of business against them, then that really solidifies it. And then they play Tottenham. So really, their destiny is going to be in this next couple parts of this last next month of the season where they can really create some distance for themselves and make the top four 
they could almost make a, a moot point by the end of the month if they take care of business in these games and make it them a clear top four and then you know the rest of the teams fighting out for fifth and and the, the the good thing about it when i'm looking at it is that you know we i feel like that's kind of the theme for this podcast is when we're talking about the top teams is that they can really just kind of solidify their places this month because like, like i've been saying um it's kind of done you know what i'm saying like i feel like something really drastic would need to happen uh, you know, an injury, knock on wood, or or just you know a, an utter collapse from one of these teams for anything drastic to happen. Cheating scandal. <laughs> you know, an Astros, Houston Astros cheating yeah. scandal. Um, for We're all not a our... baseball podcast, but just know it was a horrible cheating. Scandal. Yeah, for all our overseas fans, just look it up. But anyway, um, you know, I really just don't see anything really too drastic happening. You know, like like I was saying, may, maybe Chelsea moves up. Uh, you know, moves up a spot, maybe Leicester moves down to fourth, but the the distance between Tottenham and Man U right now just seems like I don't really, I, it would take a, an utter collapse from one of those teams or just a long string of wins from Tottenham or Man U to catch them. I just don't see that, that happening. You know, I'll get to Man U in a second and we'll get to Tottenham next, but like Tottenham hasn't been playing too well either. Um, so you know, I think I think the, I think everybody top four right now is good. Um, like Graham's been saying, it's really just a, kind of about solidifying your place, picking up points, and and looking good for Champions League if you're competing there. Um, but everybody else, it's it you know, yeah. Leicester probably has the the best, the easiest road out of everybody because they don't like we've said they don't have to pull double duty. So they right. not so not only do they have this lead. But they're not pulling double duty like some other teams. Uh, Tottenham is still in Champions, right? Uh, I believe so, and so is Chelsea. Yeah, so they're pulling double duty while fighting for top four spots, and Leicester has this lead and doesn't. So I, I think top four is kind of done, you know? And even Man United's playing Europa League. Yeah, and even we're pulling double duty, so it's like... <laughs> because I believe it's Wolves that are... Are Wolves still in Europa League? I don't know. Honestly, they might be. But uh, regardless... A lot of teams are pulling double duty this time of year, and with the lead that they have, you know, I just, I just don't see it. Yeah, I mean, Chelsea's have been up and down. They Obviously, they beat Burnley 3 nothing, which is a good win, but at the same time, they lost to Newcastle the next week. Then they tied a 10-man Arsenal team where David Luiz gifted him a goal, basically, by just sliding into the back of the dude, which is, <sighs> I would say is surprising, but with if you know David Luiz is and his track record, it's really not. I, I didn't see the play, so I'm not going to talk about it, but... Yeah, well, he kind of deserved... Let's just say he deserved the red card. <laughs> and it's not a big surprise that David Luiz did something like this. He's kind of known for doing that. Like, him and, like, Sergio Ramos are, like, known players to, like, just slide, tackle, and destroy people. But, you know, they tied 2-2 against an Arsenal team that's been playing pretty poor for most of the season. Pretty much since they fired the first manager and had the caretaker, even with Mikel Arteta coming back in, Arsenal's been, you know, pretty irrelevant, which is why I don't even... We don't even need to talk about them that much, really. They're just irrelevant at this point. And, but Chelsea is, you know, they have, like I said, they play Leicester, Manchester United, and Tottenham in their next three games. If they can come out of that pretty unscathed, they have a really good chance at just solidifying that top four and then making really the fight being for those Europa League spots. Because five through eight is actually pretty big with Tottenham in sixth place, at 34, the Wolves in seventh, uh, behind them away on goal differential, and then even Sheffield United in eighth place at 33 points. Because it's actually been kind of crazy if you think about it. Tottenham is going to lose uh, Christian Eriksen to Inter Milan, we found out. Yeah. Which is uh, a big loss for them. But apparently they're going to keep Giovanni Lo Celcio, the guy they had on loan from uh, Real Betis. 
And uh, he's he's been really good under Mourinho recently. He's kind of broken out under him. He's in one of those players that is kind of Mourinho's taken under his wing, and he's performed a lot better than he was when he was playing with uh, Poch. Like Deli Ali. Yeah. So I mean, the midfielders are playing well, but uh, Tottenham's still having their their inconsistencies in form, and they're about to lose one of their best playmakers, one of their longest tenured players. So hopefully that's not the start of a mass exodus of players like Harry Kane and. Uh, you know, Toby Alderweireld and, you know, players like that deciding that maybe they want to uh, go explore other teams because Tottenham's window is starting to kind of close. I mean, I said it, you know, on the last couple podcasts. I don't believe in this Tottenham team. That hire made no sense. And I'm going to get to Pochettino and Man U in a second because those rumors are rumbling after we lost to Norwich. But get to that in a second. Get to that in a second. But anyway, Ooh. Tottenham... I, I, like I said, when they hired him, I really didn't see this Mourinho thing working out. I really didn't. Like, I, I saw how it played out here, and he likes to spend money. And, you know, now he's saying that, oh, you know, this was agreed upon when I took the job. I know that Tottenham doesn't spend money, blah, 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 blah. But how long of this losing can y'all take before... You- you know, Mourinho starts doing the back talking that we saw and starts insulting people and starts, you know, the mood just starts to... We saw what happened to Man U. That that very much can happen with Tottenham. And I feel like the reason that Tottenham thrived under Poch, we saw it, was because Tottenham needs a player's coach. And that is not Mourinho. So this hire, honestly, yeah. it never really made sense to me. We talked about it a couple podcasts ago when they hired him that we didn't understand it. So I don't seeing this Tottenham thing... And well like you said it seems like their window is kind of closing the past couple seasons they've been that you know they've been like consistently third like like just solid yeah. third fourth place and they did well in champions league last and, year. and they did well in champions league the past couple years but again you get to that point of like man city is approaching that i've been talking about for the past year and a half on this podcast that when you can't compete with the top top you have to make a decision on if it's time to do a soft reboot bring in new people, and do what you have to do. You know, refuel like the top teams do. And it seems like Tottenham is kind of getting to that point where they're just kind of like, I don't know if this group of of players can get it done. And even if they can, you know, are they going to you know want to stick around to and wait for that to happen? Who knows? Like Graham said, Harry Kane, all these other people, can you could start seeing a mass exodus here soon if the season doesn't end on a high note. So, you know, look out for Tottenham for that. Um, but... Like like I said, I they're not they're probably they're not making top four. So in terms of signings, I don't know who they're gonna be able to get in the summer if they want to fortify this team. And we already know Tottenham doesn't spend regardless. So I really don't know who they're gonna get. Yeah, so the, I, the only person <laughs> they spent on was Ndombele, and he's been good when he's been healthy, but that's been he's had he's had some. Health it's been issues. few and far between. So I really just don't see how this is gonna end well for Tottenham. I just don't see it. Yeah. I mean, and I called it by the way, and and that's why teams like Wolves and Sheffield United are being able to stay as close as they are in the race here. Exactly. And I mean, I just wanted to shout them out because I mean, Wolves we talked about last year and they struggled at the beginning of this year and it was we were wondering if maybe that was just a one year thing, but they've kind of roared back and showing that they're kind of a strong uh, upper half of the league uh, team. Yeah, I mean, is, they were the last game that they won against uh, or that they lost against Liverpool, almost won. They were in it till the end. Yeah. They were in it till the end and. Jurgen Klopp couldn't stop singing their praises after the game, so that should just show you one of the best managers. And in Pep the, does that too. One of the best managers. I mean, they're a good team. It, we all see it. They beat you know they beat City twice this year. They're a good team. Yeah. So you know uh, the fact that one of the you get praise like that from one of the 
one of the best, if not the best manager in the world. I would say probably the best manager in the world right now. Mm-hmm. You you know, it does speak to, I don't know, the form that they have. Um, again, like I said, Champions League's wrapped up. Maybe they can, you know, fight for a 5-6 spot, you know, get in Europa. But, Which would be big for both of these teams still at their development. Yeah, especially in the, Sheffield. In the League. Especially Sheffield, because we've kind of seen some success from Wolves in the past, but not necessarily at all, really, Sheffield United. So, yeah. Well, you say the past, but let's not forget, both of these teams were championship teams in the last two seasons. I yeah, mean, I mean, champions. We saw the Wolves for one year last year, but it and it seems like a lot longer. I mean, but, yeah, but we haven't seen shit from Sheffield, let's be honest. Yeah, I mean. But On this level. Championship teams in the last two years have really been, have really surprised a lot and kind of shown this kind of quality with these yeah but that's cool but i don't think you should that should be the standard going forward no no like like, oh they came from championship they're gonna be amazing i'm just saying it's impressive to show i think that they've come from right i think it has less to do with the quality of championship and more to do with the quality of these teams and their managing and their player development I, i think it speaks more to that and less to championship because you see this rotating door of teams every year i think it has less to do with that and more to do with the quality of these teams so definitely shout them out um again do i see this sustained success um maintaining no because we know the game their good players will get poached they're gonna have to rebuild they'll drop a couple places they might be back you know at the best i think these middle tier teams can hope for is you're a lester and every couple years you roar back and you're a top four team. But honestly, if you're a middle of the tier team, a Wolves, Sheffield, Everton, Arsenal now, that's really the best you can hope for. Let's just keep it a bean. Like, I want to shout these teams out because they are playing well and they're beating top tier teams. But until I see, like I said with Leicester, that sustained success in the top league in the world, eh, it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, you definitely want to see that as a track record because that definitely makes you feel more confident, uh, you know, picking teams like Wolves and Sheffield United to maybe take that next step going into next year because obviously both of these teams look like they're going to finish, you know, 7th, 8th place in the table, which is a big deal for teams like, which I, like I said, two years ago they were fighting it in the championship for way less money. So right. it's it's also big for both of them because if they can play European competition, that can help maybe grow both of their teams a little bit more right. and help ex- expose it to maybe where Sheffield or Wolves can get a little bit more cash. Because being in the Premier League, we've talked about before, generates a lot of revenue for these teams and makes it so it's possible for teams like a Fulham to spend $100 million in a transfer window. So Yeah, it's just hard. You never know with teams like Wolves and Sheffield if they if they get enough exposure and they are playing an important enough competition, maybe they can get some young talent to grow with the core they already have with, you know, I mean, I'm, Yoda. I 100% I'm I'm 100% with you. I just I it's hard to do that in the Premier League, man. Like it's so hard to take that next step. Like there's a reason we consistently talk about the top 6 teams, you know what I'm saying? The big 6 is because that's just what it is. Like you just it's really hard to compete. So it's like I can definitely see them, especially the Wolves being like a middle of the tier team. The next couple years, getting some big wins off man, the Man Cities, you know, Man U because we suck, things like that. But like, really taking that next step—that's a we're talking about a whole nother thing. Because like, I talk about it in Champions League with some of these other teams that have breakout years. What happens? Their players get noticed, get want to get signed by a bigger team. The bigger team throws more money that's even humanly possible for these smaller teams to throw at them, and they leave. That's just what happens. So to have that sustained success in the league and really be talked about as a top four, top even top six team, eh, 
don't yeah. know. I don't know. It's hard, man. Like, I want to, you know, you want to shout out the praises of all these teams that are doing well. And obviously, we have a soccer podcast, so we're going to talk about it. But just, like, in the grand scheme of things, it's hard for me to really see a Sheffield United or a Wolves being a top six contender, you know. Yeah. No, I... And and th- th- who knows? They probably, they probably won't ever be in the you know the Champions League discussion or even like going into the top teams in the world. But it is interesting to see these teams come up and you know start really showing that quality. Quality, yeah, yeah. And speaking of uh, quality, or not lack really, thereof. Lack thereof <laughs> uh, the Red Devils, Manchester United, have really been in a poor run of form recently. Uh, in their last five, they've had three losses, a couple wins, but they since the last time we podcasted, they tied with Wolves in, in the re- in the FA Cup, then they, uh, you know, played another cup leg, then they beat Norwich, beat Wolves, and then lost 2 nothing to Liverpool, which, you know, isn't that big of a deal, finally, but then everyone was very upset this past fixture with Burnley beating them 2 nothing. Yeah, Burnley, and, I think I said Norwich earlier, I meant Burnley. Yeah, and Burnley seems to be the game that, for a lot of people, seems to be the one that broke the camel's back for some people when it comes to, you know whether they feel like Ali's uh, job status is secure with Manchester United because a lot of people were kind of, you know, committed to the idea of, like Olam has said, a, re- a rebuild and a retooling coming up for next year, but a t- this law seems to have maybe amplified some concerns that were already kind of present amongst f- Manchester United fans. Yeah, which is kind of... I'm going to just go on a little rant here. It's kind of, which was, it's kind of stupid, but just because, like I said, <laughs> I've kind of told everybody to be tempering expectations, and this team is not good, and Ollie's really trying to implement a system without having all of the players you want. Every, every day, I feel like it's a new, it's a new transfer rumor. Like, these guys are in the lab studying film and finding players that they can fit and get on this team. So, you know, having the squad we have now, not to mention our strikers hurt, you know, um, it's, it, it's just hard. So it's like, it's, it, for me, it's one of those things where it's like, I want to hearken back to when we were going through a similar thing, but not nearly as bad with, uh, the last part of, uh, Mourinho's reign, right? I, I went on that long speech on this podcast and I told everybody, how long are we going to keep blaming Mourinho and start looking at the players? And I think that's similarly what we have to do here. Yeah, it sucks to lose to Burnley, but we don't have a quality squad. <laughs> we don't, all right? We have a bunch of mismatched peaches, pieces, you know. John Stones was playing against Burnley. Why the fuck is that happening? John Stones. He plays or or not that. John Stones, uh, fucking, uh, what's our, uh, what's his name? Uh, Phil Jones. Phil Jones, yeah. Phil Jones, uh, was playing. Why the fuck is he on the field? Like, <laughs> it's true. Things like this are, are just like, you can't really take, like, a loss to Burnley to heart. And, you know, because Man U were, were a squad full of tradition, one of the oldest squads in the in the world, the biggest club in the world, all these sorts of things. Like, we're, we're, we're very heavy in tradition. And we, had, we hadn't lost to Burnley, it was like 50 years, I think, or something. Like, it was something crazy. So when these things happen, I feel like a lot of fans want to react and be like, oh, something needs to be done. Oh, throw the whole, throw the the baby out with the bathwater, as they say. But, like, I just feel like we need to just pause and really, like, let Ali build a team that he thinks is, 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 can compete. And then, and then we'll judge from there. Because, you know, like Graham said, I feel like this really was the game that kind of, Right after we lost, I saw, oh, is Ollie the right coach? Ollie's on his way out. Pochettino rumors. Like, all of these, uh, you know, things got tweeted out. Um, 
like after, in the days following the, the loss. So it's like, I feel like a lot of fans, you know, are just want to look for something to blame and want to look for an easy fix. But when it comes down to it, this is not an easy fix. This is a rebuild. This isn't a soft rebuild like usually big big teams do. This is a full-on rebuild, okay? We are we're playing 18-year-olds for God's sakes. Like this this doesn't happen. <laughs> like so fans again, like I've been saying all year, but I, the past year and a half, temper expectations. We're going to lose we're going to have these losses. I for the past Graham and, and, and our friend Andrew, uh, if you guys uh, shout out Tracy Sports Podcast, they're super into gambling. And I've been telling Andrew, do not bet on Man U. Why? Because you cannot trust them this season. At any point in time, we could beat a Man City and then go and lose to a Burnley. That's just where we're at right yeah, now. True. That's just where we're at. We're so inconsistent. You never know what you're going to get. And that was and that was playing at our best, I think. Like when Martial is scoring, when, when Martial's healthy, when Rashford's healthy because he's out for we don't an undisclosed amount of time, I think, right now. At least a couple months with that quad, I think it is. So it's like we're just the, – the squad is not complete, and it's hard to judge a squad. There's also not much depth in the squad. Again, the squad as a whole is just not ready to compete where Man U fans want them to. Reserves, starters, defense, you know, everything. It's just not where it needs to be right now. So that being said, when these types of losses happen, just pump the brakes on should we fire Ali. He hasn't had a squad to compete with. That was my argument against firing Mourinho, and then like a week later we fired him when that was going on because I was like, look, he doesn't have his players. The board doesn't want him to get his players. And that was when the whole Pogba nonsense was going on as well. So there was all these other things where I was like, it's easy to blame Mourinho because he has a sharp tongue and after matches he'll go and insult the whole world. So it's easy to want to blame him. But I think we need to look at the foundation of the team and what we're putting on the field to compete with every week. That's what matters. Not necessarily blaming the manager. All right, we can bring in Poch, and that might help because that's another thing I wanted to mention. Because, like I said, the Poch rumors and everything, we can bring in Poch. But unless we let Poch or Mourinho or Ali or whoever is managing this team bring in their players and form a culture, nothing is going to change right now. And we're going to keep losing to these terrible teams. So, you know, that being said, going forward. Like I've been saying all year, all you can really hope for is improvement from our young guys. Mason Greenwood, Dan James, you know, uh, Rasford when he gets healthy, Martial, um, you know, Luke Shaw because uh, he came off the bench, so he's getting healthy um, again. So just seeing Basaka. Basaka, who's been playing pretty well, kind of a little out of form the past couple games, but still 100% better than the defense we've had in previous years. Except for Phil Jones playing. Yeah, I wasn't happy with that. But anyway, like, so just seeing these, imp- I don't know why we still, why he's still on our team. I, I don't. Because no one else wants him. But anyway, <laughs> all you can really do is hope to see, like, improvements from, from individual players going forward. It's like Graham with the Browns. That's all you can do. Because you know they're just going to suffer. Don't pay your suffering <laughs> United to my suffering with the Browns, Mr. Championship Decade. But it's but it, similar. Not the same, but similar. All right? So just temper expectations. If you're a Man U fan and you listen to this podcast, just temper expectations. Don't fall for the clickbait after a bad loss. All right? It's going to happen. All right? Just roll with the punches this year. We're not doing shit for a minute. All right? Fair enough. And... Before we go, we just wanted to run through a couple of just quick transfers that happened. There hasn't really been a lot of transfer news in terms of big 
moves that have happened to this uh, transformation, which in January is pretty understandable. Yeah. Not a lot of big moves happen, but uh, the one I wanted to talk about specifically was uh, Erling Holland, the uh, kid from uh, RB, I think it was RB Leipzig. Was it RB Leipzig or RB Salzburg? I think it was RB Salzburg. It was Salzburg. Yeah, RB Salzburg. He's the one that scored a hat trick against Liverpool in the Champions League and kind of is showing everyone that he's like this young phenom goal scorer and a lot of people were linking him to big teams like Bayern or even bigger clubs than that, but he decided to just go to Dortmund. And he, in his first game, actually, I think his first 23 minutes, scored a hat trick for the team. Yeah, it was kind of ridiculous. He's 19, by the way, so uh, it looks like Dortmund's going to have a, another scoring option for the foreseeable future for, you know, until he gets sold off to one of the other big clubs. It's a feeder system. A small club goes to a medium fish, medium fish goes to the big fish, and the I, big fish gets eaten by the even bigger fish. You, y'all know what it is. I was explaining it earlier. That's how... You know, top tier soccer works. You you show off at a medium tier squad, you get the big money. Go to a Barcelona, Real, Man City, Liverpool. It's just it, it is what it is. All right, um, but, but but he was showing out. Just the all credit to him because uh, the fact that you can go out your first game having those nerves in a different league that plays con- a completely different style of football. No, it's the same league. Isn't this German? Oh league, yeah, yeah, it is the same league. Okay, but the fact that you can go on a new team that plays, you know. I, I assume they play somewhat different. Yeah, not all German teams play alike. And, and just and, and get a hat trick? Like, insanity. And, yeah, being that young, like, they have themselves a good player. Hopefully they can hang on to him because, like Graham said, we know where this is going. He'll he'll go to Barcelona in a couple seasons. <laughs> no, that's not true because Messi's going to be there until he's, like, five, 500. Yeah, that's a fact. Uh, FIFA 35. <laughs> Messi on the cover. Yeah. Gray hair. Yeah. 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 But uh, no, I think Holland will be a really good fit for Dortmund, and I mean they've seen a, a long, they've seen a stretch of young attackers recently, really good attackers. Even going back to their days with Robert Lewandowski when he was on their team, and those teams. Yeah. But they've also had Christian Pulisic recently. They've had they have Jaden Sancho who might you know be leaving at some point soon just because he's been playing so well that he might go to a bigger club. And now Holland, I mean they really have had a lot of young talented players come through that door and. That Dortmund team is going to be interesting in the Champions League, including him, because he's actually eligible to play because he was on a team that was in the Champions League. Oh, okay. Yeah, so because he had already been in the competition, he is eligible to compete. So that is big for uh, Dortmund, so that way they can have him in those games. I forget exactly who they're playing. Dortmund is playing PSG. So that definitely, definitely need him. <laughs> so that'll be important because they'll definitely need him to keep up with those with the Neymar and Mbappe and the rest of that PSG team. Yeah. And then it's, uh, another move. Speaking of PSG, is as in Cavani potentially getting transferred to Atletico Madrid. Uh, that original. Apparently, there was some talks that he might go to Chelsea as well, which would have been a big win for Chelsea because having him and Tabby Abraham would have been a really good pairing. Yeah. But it looks like that he's going to end up going to Atletico Madrid. I don't know what the particulars of the deal are, but it seems like there's an agreement in place for him to go there, which would be big for Atletico because they are a really good team and they have a big matchup as well. They play Liverpool, so they could use yeah. it again. Any extra firepower they could possibly get against Sadio Mane, Mohamed, Mohamed Salah, and Bobby Firmino. Shout so. out Cavani, man. I, I, I always like Cavani because he was a... He's good. Former defender. A lot of people don't know this. Former defender turned uh, goal scorer. 
Yeah. That's impressive. Very impressive. A lot. You don't really see those shifts. Sometimes you'll see midfielders turn defenders or vice versa. But to go from the complete opposite side of the field, a completely different way of play, and to have sustained success uh, throughout his career is uh, impressive. Shout out Cavani. Um, that Atletico Madrid team could be nasty if they get him. Yeah, they might. They looks like they're also trying to sell Thomas Lamar, but because he's kind of flopped at Atletico Madrid yeah. after a uh, after a promising uh, start at Monaco. So I think he might be. There's some talk he might come to the Premier League and play um, for one of the teams like a Tottenham or something, which you know could be a good uh, high risk or not high risk, a medium risk, high reward thing for a team like Tottenham. Maybe get him on a discount, and it ends up being a guy that's one of the better players in the league when he's on his game. Because when he was playing for Monaco, that team was the team that to even beat PSG in yeah. the league uh, when they won the title. That Monaco team was nasty. And that Monaco though. team was the team that <laughs> waxed Man City when they had Pep Guardiola. That team had Bernardo Silva and Benjamin Mendy and... The talent Ky- on that Ky- Monaco team, though. And that Monaco team played at, like, 500 miles per hour. Yeah, that team was good. <laughs> that team was insane. So, I mean, it's definitely something that is a big deal, and... I think that you definitely Edison Cavani is something that is definitely going to be important for Atletico Madrid because they are trying to advance and they're going up against the defending champs and you need everything you're going to get. Yeah. Especially and maybe like a more physical person to go against a Virgil Van Dyke. Right. Because he can kind of understand it and kind of deal with it because Cavani's a big guy as well. He can win headers in space. Like I said, former defender, so he he's part he's he, actually it might be a good pickup going into that Liverpool game. Yeah. And then potentially for Manchester United, I know that Bruno Fernandes, the midfield from Sporting and Portugal, he's a really good young player that's getting a lot of uh, creating a lot of opportunities and also finishing a lot in the Portuguese league, which is a pretty good league, but not the top league. But he's could really help bolster the midfield potentially, maybe be an upgrade over a Matic or a Fred uh, long term, or and maybe work with Matamane and Pogba to kind of form a trio at least for the time being, but. I think he would be a really good fit for Man U because he can play defense and track back, but he's also good at getting up the field and he's mm. really and he's able to win the ball when he lose when it's lost. He's not someone a midfielder that you can only rely on in, in one half of the field. Yeah, I'm kind of just waiting on what we're gonna do because, like I said, every day it's a new rumor. And he's young, but but that's what I'm saying. It's like every day it's a new rumor with all of these guys that we're gonna sign and nothing's happened and it doesn't seem like anybody wants to come here. So I'm kind of worried on if Ali can even attract the type of players he wants so it's going to be interesting to see what happens but uh yeah i mean like i said man you needs all the help we can get i don't care who we sign so i'm with it yeah i mean it's going to be interesting to see if there's any more win- window moves i mean and there's only a few days left we're recording this on saturday january 25th so i mean maybe in the next five six days things will pick up a little bit as the deadline closes in but if anything happens we'll bring you a quick update or and send out some tweets but uh, in the meantime, make sure you guys do check out TreeCityRecords.com. Make yes, sure you join the yes, Tree yes, City yes. Street team. Yes. We actually, they actually just had a show in here in Kent, Ohio, at uh, one of our cultural art galleries, and uh, had a nice little crowd come out, and they got to perform live. Yes, I want to give a big shout out to everybody who supports Tree City Records. Like Graham said, uh, TreeCityRecords.com for updates on everything we do. Um, Brian got a lot of new merch popping, so definitely check out the merch side of the website. 
Um, and new music coming soon. Uh, Jeff's about to drop a new single, Sheesh. So you can get that on all streaming services. Definitely check that out. Um, new episodes of the Tree State Sports Podcast. Um, our podcast. Um, Fire Team Fire Pack. Fire Team Fire Pack. Our new Destiny podcast. We're about to record a new episode of that very soon. Um, and just updates on everything we do. Just treesayrecords.com. You'll get the info with everything uh, on there. So, yeah, we appreciate y'all. Well, thank you again so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you guys soon. Peace.